Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Notkani, joined today by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, snake wrangler, New York Times best-selling author of the book, Blood in the Garden, Chris Herring. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm great, Ron. How are you? Cannot complain. Just got back from a work trip that I'll talk about on this podcast, certainly at some point, because I have a lot to say about it. Um, So keep an eye out for that. Uh... Chris, not always are we gifted, blessed with such an easy topic to discuss. Every now and then we got to come up with something, figure out a way in. How are we going to talk about the league this week? Not today, because (laughs) it started with Kyrie Irving requesting a trade, uh, which was already pretty hilarious. And the Nets obliging him. Did a full 48 even hours even pass before they decided on this trade? Kyrie Irving headed to the Dallas Mavericks uh, along with Markeith Morris. Poor Markeith Morris. He has forgotten to be mentioned almost every single time people discuss this trade. Uh, Luca and Markeith Morris headed to Dallas in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, two second-round picks, and a 2029 unprotected First round picks. Chris, uh, let's dive into it. Your reaction to this trade? Um, a little bit surprised, like you said, that it happened before the trade deadline. Not not before, but so quickly, I guess, how quickly it came together. Um, there was obviously a market for Kyrie. Um, not terribly surprised it's Dallas. It was a team that... Um, even over the summer when this stuff came up, made sense for him to land with, uh, largely through their own fault, you know, through the fault of the Mavericks for not re-signing Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought is not terribly sure that this moves the needle from the standpoint of respect to Jason Kidd for saying that this gives them championship aspirations. I'm I'm not sure it does that there's a defensive price that they pay here for this move. Um, 
you know, they were already looking to deal Dorian Finney-Smith, so maybe they had already come to terms with that. But I'm just not sure in watching this team. Like, they they needed a second guy, clearly. Um, they also need defense that was closer to what last year was than what they've shown this year. And and I don't think this gets them closer from that standpoint. So if the the option is just score more, that's great. But at some point, I'm kind of convinced they're going to need to play more defense than what Kyrie provides. So from their standpoint... That's how I feel. I, obviously, you jump at the chance to add someone um, who can do the things Kyrie does offensively. Um, we haven't even had a conversation yet in terms of the other things that you maybe consider. Do you want someone like that around your team? Do you want someone like that um, dictating things uh, in, in terms of, you know, do you want someone that potentially quits on your team, which is a question that you have to ask with him. Uh so there's all of that to consider too, which, okay, if Dallas wants to take the, that gamble, that's fine. Um, I'm just not sure on on the basketball fit, which is a weird thing to say considering that you jump at the chance to to get someone that takes the ball out of Lucas' hands a little bit, but this takes the ball out of his hands a lot. Um, I would think it does. Uh, so, so we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see on that front. Um, if you are... The Nets, I think you probably would have wanted a little bit more. Um, I thought just looking at it, that the Clippers and what they might have been offering might have been a better deal for them um, if they wanted to go for a title right now. Uh, Terrence Mann, uh, you know, some of the some of the things they could have gotten back from the Clippers, I feel like were maybe more appealing here than uh, Luke Kennard. You know, would have been someone that they could use to shoot the ball even more than they do with spacing, but. Um, you know, it, it was a trade that had to get done if you're Brooklyn. Like, I guess you could have held on to him, but you want to get something back for the guy. And they did accomplish that. They can realistically look you in the face and say they're still trying to contend with this. So I understand that Spencer Dinwiddie is someone that's been in the organization before, but they were also trying to add on to the trade to get a third team involved. And I think that speaks volumes about the fact that they probably wanted a little bit more here. Yeah, so I, I graded this deal. I was, as I mentioned, I was on the road and I was waiting to interview the, the main person I was speaking to for my story. And this broke. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I started writing something up on my phone, just praying that this person would take longer than they said they would in the training room <laughs> so that I could finish writing something up real quick. I gave the Mavs a C in my grade in the moment and the more i sit with it the more i wish i had the courage of my convictions to give them a d it it feels a little bit mean to assume kyrie is going to ruin this at the same time his history would tell you he's unequivocally going to ruin this is he has mm. not left a team in anything less than an acrimonious manner whether it was cleveland you know people remember he had the thing where he's maybe threatening to get surgery if they didn't trade him and miss time and Obviously, we saw what I happened forgot in about Boston. That. Yeah. Now we have this situation. You know, I don't think the Mavs are going to go any further than they did last year. I thought they were... If fluke is too hard of a term. We need something one level below fluke. But that's what I thought their run to the Western Conference Finals was. They just... Sometimes you catch the exact right playoff breaks. You know, they get a jazz team that's imploding. They get a a Phoenix team that just got old like the week before that series. I also, you know, that game seven is also credit to Luca. He was incredible. He took the will of that team in that game. I also think that game seven is 
was not a normal game seven, you know, and then they get kind of gentlemen swept out of the West finals. I don't, I don't see them making the Western conference finals with this team. They maybe are going to move Christian Wood still ahead of the deadline. If you play Kyrie, Luca and Christian Wood together, your defense is going to get shredded. It's going to be, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith was their best perimeter defender, and I understand that they need to go out and get a star, and he has an attractive contract, et cetera, but he's someone who I'm trying very hard to not have to give up in a trade. I'm trying to move Dinwiddie, Hardaway. I mean, point being, that's the exact type of player they now need (laughs) to -hmm. put around Luka and Kyrie, and shout-out to Nikaias Duncan, who wrote about their on-court basketball fit. We both love Nikaias and have a lot of respect for his work. And he wrote about some sets and ways Kyrie and Luka can play off of each other. I think in theory, there's ways for them to play a two-man game. In practice, this is a massive change for Luka Doncic to undergo in the middle of the season. At least when you bring in someone like Porzingis, for example, you can run pick and rolls with him. There's a natural fit between kind of a wing and a big that... I think this is going to take time. You know, even Katie and Kyrie, when they were doing the little bit of your turn, my turn thing, there's a friendship there, a history they share as friends that I think makes that a little bit easier. This is a huge change for them to undergo. Again, defensively, I mean, teams are already targeting Luca. Now I'm going to be targeting Kyrie. And multiple reports, I think Tim McMahon, Mark Stein have all said, the Mavs have not promised him an extension, him being Kyrie. And that's a double-edged sword. On one hand, teams, it's funny, they're kind of doubling down on the Brunson mistake. They could have had Brunson 455. They messed that up. And now they kind of double down, make this trade to kind of make up for that. And so on one hand, it would be smart to not extend Kyrie right away. Don't do that. Make him prove it. At the same time, if he does leave for quote-unquote nothing in the summer. Let's say it ends poorly. There's a first-round flame out. He gets into an argument, etc. You've now traded a player who was playing really well for you in Spencer Dinwiddie, shooting outstanding from three, doing a, a pretty good impression of a number two guy. Your best murder defender and a, a future pick that's going to be pretty valuable. You've now traded that for a two-month rental that didn't get you far in the playoffs? Um I just I don't see the window of this working really, really well. And maybe this will all sound really embarrassing in two months, but <laughs> I, I I don't love it from a basketball standpoint. And then when you factor in everything else, the fact that he just messes up every single situation he's in. Why would you want to put Luca anywhere near this guy? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess part of what you started out with is what I think about. Does this turn out more successful or less than the Porzingis deal, the, mm. the Porzingis pairing, which obviously didn't get them far enough? They had moments where they were close. They almost beat the Clippers. Um, but I I just – I think the point you raised about Dorian Finney-Smith is the one I'm still sitting with, is that you're going to need more defense than you have uh, if, if your top three guys are going to be your top three guys here. Um <laughs> Is it is it worth it if you're only going to have Kyrie for a few months? Which I think the answer has to be no from what you just gave up. 
But if you have them long term, isn't that scary than only having them for a few months? Yeah, uh, because exactly. it's just the unknown of that is just uh, we, we will see. But when you talk about the assets, you really just can't mess up. Uh, Luca, we're, we're sitting here on the cusp of LeBron breaking the all time record for points. Luca is really one of the guys that I think if you look up 15 years from now, you could be looking at saying that he was one of the guys that took up LeBron's mantle going forward. Now, does that mean he's, he will be as great as LeBron? Probably not. Um, given what we know, you know, I just wrote uh, a newsletter column about how LeBron, I think pretty inarguably is, has shown himself to be the best all around superstar. Mm. That's the same as the best player of different, whatever. I don't really care how you want to argue it you know i think there's a little bit more to it than that but just as far as the versatility the different things he can do luke is not that guy we're, we're talking about how their defense is going to suffer with the group like mm-hmm. this um you can't afford to have some of the other stuff that Kyrie says i'm just trying to start a conversation i'm just trying to use my platform <laughs> yeah you can't afford for that to bleed into your your superstar that is like a top three four player in this league going forward for i mean how old is luca now 20 was he 23 uh, 23 i think yeah not even 25 yeah so, 23 i mean it's it's also risky from that standpoint although we've seen Kyrie, you know play off of lebron before and and be a, a great teammate from that standpoint until he then decided he didn't want to be teammates with lebron anymore so we'll, we'll see we, we will see i mean it's you know it's interesting from the standpoint of Rondo being a, a really talented point guard that just really couldn't get along with certain people or certain coaches. So it has the potential to be interesting from that standpoint that Kyrie might be that times four uh, in, in terms of just his scoring ability, but also, um, you know, kind of, I, I won't even say a sandpapery personality. I don't know how difficult he is with teammates. It might not be a teammate thing as much as what it's players? just organizationally. Players certainly seem to love him. Like he's just got that Hooper vibe, like umbrella above him that players love. Can I just say that it, 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 it even if that's the case, and I'm not going to try to assert the suggestion that I understand more than the players do. They're they're in the locker room more than we are. Uh, they're on the team, but I, and I thought it was a really great question and response um from from my friend jamal who asked this question of jacques Vaughn, like do you do you think Kyrie's quitting on the team and he was like oh i don't want to get into what the players think he's like no i'm asking what you think and he was like yeah i i just know that i have a job and i come to this job and i do my job kind of suggesting that like you know i expect that of my players one to 17 Kyrie just hasn't done that. And, and and even, you know, vaccination status thoughts aside, even if you want to credit Kyrie for, you know, doing what he truly believed in, okay, what he truly believed in was something that was leaving his team short, shorthanded, yeah. um, you know, ultimately for something that, uh, again, beliefs aside, uh, it left this team at a disadvantage. It unraveled this stuff with Harden. Um, and now pretty much the exact same problem from before 
where it was something where Durant got hurt and the season went off the rails because of it, because all of a sudden you're giving the keys to Kyrie. And uh, so we've seen it happen now two years in a row on the same team. People fell into the Charlie Brown, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, football, football situation yeah. of, yeah. Uh, you know, thinking that, oh, they, they play well. They've got enough talent to do it. The Nets are like a dark horse pick because they have as much talent as anybody. There's still the Ben Simmons questions, which, by the way, it sounds like he has no trade value right now, um, which is a total aside. But um, I just I, I feel like it would be a Charlie Brown football situation to say that Dallas is a real legitimate contender knowing the questions we've got about their defense and knowing the questions that we're always going to like at this point Kyrie could be you know win the the citizenship award in the NBA for the next five years and I would still have questions about (laughs) right whether you know the Walter Kennedy word about whether or not you know he can just coexist with a team with an organization um so we'll we'll have to see We'll, we'll have to see but I I don't know that anybody won here. You know, if you're Dallas and you just needed a jolt to try to do something to get you over the top, I get it. But I don't know how likely it is to do that, given some of the questions we have. Yeah. Just think about it this way, Chris. Like, I'm sure Kyrie and Katie didn't get together and say, you know what? We love Sean Marks. We're going to pick the Brooklyn Nets. You know, a lot of reasons went into that signing. At the same (laughs) time, Kyrie had handpicked his best friend to play with. They picked the city they wanted to play in. They even got a coach fired, didn't like, and then got a handpicked coach that wasn't Jock Vaughn. I mean, where would this team have been if they just simply hired Jock Vaughn uh, coming out or going into the bubble as opposed to doing the Steve Nash hire? But Katie and Kyrie wanted Steve Nash. It, it would, It's difficult for an NBA player to have exerted more control over the situation than Kyrie's exerted headed into this Brooklyn situation, you know, they signed DeAndre Jordan, they trade for Harden. They're, they're doing everything these guys want. And yet he's still unhappy. And listen, people are upset at their jobs, blah, blah, blah. We get it. But you mentioned like, there's a team dynamic to this. Like sometimes people ask like, and I'm, you know, I'm pro labor. I'm pro union. I'm, I'm part of our union aside. I even see it. Sometimes people are like, why is this guy, playing through injury. Why is this guy risking his next contract? You know why guys do it? Like a lot of times because they love their teammates hmm. or they love the group that they're a part of. Yeah. They want to be, they want to be part of something bigger. They do believe in sacrifice. And yeah, there are times when maybe like a dream is being sold to you that shouldn't be sold to you. But a lot of times like, no, like a lot of players love to compete. They love to be a part of a team. Um, I think about Goran Dragic, giving it a go in the 2020 NBA finals when his foot was clearly not right. Yep. That, that, that was a dream come true for him. He wanted to be in the finals. He loved that group. He loved that team. And <laughs> Kyrie's just the opposite of that. He's the complete opposite of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you said that and I just immediately thought about that meme with the, I've been seeing so many of those x-rays lately with the little dog inside yeah, of yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got that dog in him, but I'm not sure Kyrie has that and it's it's weird because i'm not an advocate of guys playing through stuff you know when they Mm -hmm. shouldn't be i'm actually the opposite of that even though i've written a book about the 90s knicks who were literally the epitome of that you know i i grew Mm -hmm. up and lived in chicago during a time where the bulls had you know derrick rose for Mm -hmm. a lot of those years with those teams that you know 
Tom Thibodeau was coaching them. So that mean everybody was playing injured all the time. Uh, I don't necessarily advocate for that, but it also doesn't matter what I advocate for because players are going to do what they want to do. Um, I'm all for players marching to the beat of their own drum, but I'm also for calling out when it seems like them doing that seems detrimental to the team as a whole. Yeah, And uh, like I said, that's where maybe the, there, I think there's a disconnect, at least for me, understanding how people rock with Kyrie so hard <laughs> yeah. when he is, you know, with his teammates included. Um, when he's making it tougher for them to go out and do their jobs. Um, so so we'll see. I mean, I, it's not me wishing ill on him. It, it's not me seeking to call him out. I don't particularly care. Um, I think he's done a lot of good things, too, that you know I've, I've credited in columns before, behind-the-scenes work that he's done and things that he's advocated for. Um, it's not me trying to be a hater. It's me actively saying I'm not sure again i just kind of see a disconnect there um, and maybe it's not for me to see but um that you know he he has not been team first and i and i think here and i think that's what jock Vaughn was speaking to is like there's that also that meme of like you know nba has gone zero days without chaos um <laughs> kyrie has like one of those constantly going seemingly because it's like they will be fine for a while they'd finally kind of gotten out of a little bit of a rut um, kind of figuring out how to play with with Kyrie being the guy and not KD, um, and now it's you know it's like he had an alarm clock set to be like, okay, we're going to discuss my deal now, or else I'm <laughs> leaving. You you don't hold a gun to the head of a, a roster that actually does have a shot of getting this done once KD gets back, but um, Kyrie's situation comes first, seemingly, and uh, so he, he got a new situation. We'll see what happens with it. I'm curious. I'm as curious as anybody else is. I I, I think they're going to have games where they look incredible that's the problem is so i'm going to the clippers game on wednesday night and I, I was about to say something so entitled for a second i was about to be like oh chris man i'm really annoyed i might have to go to staples center three nights in a row to see lebron chase the scoring record and kyrie make his mass debut just realized immediately how stupid i would have that's sounded. pretty cool man yeah, yeah. No, and then i'm I was glad like, you oh, caught yourself that's pretty, pretty cool sweet. that's pretty sweet <laughs> but you know like him and him, the first, like him and Luca are gonna go off for forty one night, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my god, greatest mm-hmm. offense ever!" First of all, let me say a couple things. I think we're both skeptical. I'm also not even gonna. I'm not even gonna. I'm not convinced yet that Luca and Kyrie. This is something to keep an eye on the rest of the season. Will post a higher offensive rating together in their in their lineups than Nuggets Jokic lineups. Let's keep an eye on that. Like I haven't checked recently. Fair. Jokic had the Nuggets at like a 122 offensive rating when he's on the floor. Right. Luca's at like 120. Can Kyrie give them a two points for 100 bump? Quite possibly. But so that's so that's the angle. I, yeah. I, for a minute, I was like, I don't know that they have to exceed what the Nuggets are. The Nuggets are yeah. on fire. But if you're saying that he won't improve them so much to where they see a tangible difference, a tangible addition by Kyrie being there, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, so we'll especially about- when their defense will get worse. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. I hear so we'll see about that. It's going to be very interesting, but I think it's safe to say we're both skeptical about this trade on and off the court. And it's going to be thrilling when Luka Doncic signs with the Miami heat in three years. Uh, Spo is going to coach him up. He's going to love the culture, you know, really, really get into shape so that he can be out on South beach. Um, 
Yeah. I, I saw that Brian Windhorse. Now, why would they do that? The, the, <laughs> the trade that the Heat just made. To, uh, the, to the, you're talking about the Dwayne Dedman shocker? Send Dedman somewhere morning. to basically. Yeah, the Heat are up to something. I mean, poor yeah. Dwayne Dedman. I could do 35 minutes on Dedman right now if you want to pivot. <laughs> just <his laughs> I'm going to politely pass. <laughs> just his Heat career. Um, <laughs> shout out to Dwayne Dedman. Shout out to my guys at Miami Heat Beat, by the way. Chris, I don't think you're aware of this. But I'll tell a quick Dwayne Dedman story, not a 35-minute one. The guys at Miami Heat Beat are a bunch of Heat fans who started a podcast together, um, launched the careers of some people. Shout out to Greg Sylvander, who's an insider now. Greg's wonderful. But they started calling Dwayne Dedman the mechanic um, because of the way he would just kind of like amble off the bench. They're like, this guy walks like a mechanic. <laughs> um, and the nickname stuck. Like eventually it got back to Deadman. He started wearing like a mechanic t-shirt. He appeared on the Miami Heat Beat podcast. The team refers to him as the mechanic in social media posts. Teammates refer to him as the mechanic. That's so um, funny. It was like a beautiful thing. I think it He kind of looks like a mechanic. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. really noticed the way he, he went, walks off the bench, he but he looks like a mechanic. On one Halloween, him and his son dressed up as mechanics. Jeez. Like he had a full I think it unfortunately it it maybe ended in some kind of mild legal drama involving an agent or something i but for a while it was a very beautiful um <laughs> something about maybe t-shirts or something i don't know but, oh no yeah but it was a very Stuff always gets ruined with like yeah you know, well, i guess legally <laughs> stuff that's the point of yeah. the law and yeah. lawyers and agents is taking all the fun out of stuff sometimes yeah. but yeah but, it, uh, it tends to yeah. get very not fun as soon yes. as that happens but shout out to Dwayne Dedman, the mechanic. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Chris, let's talk about this deal from the Brooklyn side of it. Um, immediately, things went all over the place here. Uh, should they trade KD? Should they go for it? Should they move Dinwiddie in another one-for-one -one deal? Um... Another thing I've written on my outline is, could you argue the Nets got better? What would you like to tackle first? What would you like to tackle first? Uh, well, 
And I think the KD part of it, we can probably tackle quickly. Should they? Maybe, probably. But, really? But but is it but is it realistic that they can do it? And I think the answer is no. And so it's you know probably a little bit of a letdown, uh, based on what I just said. Uh, you know, if you think that they got better, then the answer is no. That that you would you would just go for it. And and even even if you think they got better, the answer probably still should be no, just because um you you're likely to get a bigger haul for him mm-hmm. like i don't know that teams are going to trade on short notice for the guy right um right now you could probably get more of an, an a captive market the way you did this summer teams know to plan for it also you might get teams that they're kind of operating off of a really emotional oh we were this close right oh, we needed you know a, a guy that just does a, a killer score what have you you're not trying to integrate mid-season there's a lot of reasons for that um not to mention that if you're brooklyn maybe you want to give it one last go here with kd um i will say this one thing about kd and then move on uh if if the reports are to be believed i can't remember if it was mark stein or someone else that reported it first that (laughs) the nets and josai specifically kind of looked at what the lakers were offering and were like this is an acceptable offer, but no, because you're the Lakers and we're not giving Kyrie anything he wants here. Um, in light of that, it will be interesting to see the whole KD thing because at a certain mm. point, um, teams normally don't play with that level of fire because they realize that they're being watched by other players throughout the league. They don't right. want to be seen as like the evil, you know, stepmother franchise right. that doesn't let players. Uh, doesn't facilitate players desires mm-hmm. basically so it, w- it will be interesting though to see like how they handle that with KD he obviously has not necessarily been mute in all this obviously he you know kind of gave an ultimatum right, right before the season um or you know during the offseason about Nash and the the management and everything and the idea that he was going to say he wanted out um if they didn't uh you know if they didn't let those two go so we'll have to see where it goes now. Um, has him playing at an MVP level engendered enough goodwill since then? Um, does he get them to a a real contender status mm-hmm. even without Kyrie now? Uh, does that mean anything long term? I'm not sure, but uh, I, I don't think they should trade him. Like, I, should they at some point? Probably. Should they do it now? No. Uh, I just don't think it makes sense to do. What What do you think from that standpoint? I definitely don't think they should trade him at the deadline. That's a huge no for me. No chance. No way. Zero. Not a, not going to happen. At least in my opinion, I would not do it. Secondly, I do think their relationship with KD has to be in a much better place. Ultimately, he came back. Whenever he's played, he's been incredible. And to his point, he said, I wanted out of here because I thought the standard was too low. And I think Jacques Vaughn has raised that standard. And I think that they seem to have a good relationship. And Durant was a huge, the biggest reason for their success this year when they went on that 18 and two stretch. Yes. He was playing at MVP Durant level. He was fantastic. And beyond that, the Kyrie trade we saw like midseason, it's hard to gauge what his value is, et cetera. Like that Lakers package, I know Joe Sai is talking, you know, or the reports there, Joe Sai was playing hardball. The Lakers, I never saw the Lakers acquiring Kyrie in a two-team trade. 
That was never going to happen. More than that. They always needed a third team involved. It's funny, Chris. I pitched an NBA exec on one of my fake trades last week. This is not something I do regularly. I just it just so happened I was speaking with someone and I was like, "Hey, let me run a fake trade by you." <laughs> and I I pitched them on this Lakers Hornets Nets three teamer, and they were like, "No way." <laughs> <was> like, okay. <laughs> but. But their point was kind of like, I don't know if the Nets are going to accept kind of spare parts-ish. I had Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, and Mason Plumlee going to the Nets. The the Nets kind of did a version of that trade. I think Dinwiddie and Finney Smith are better than Oubre and Rozier. Mm-hmm. Although, Scary Terry did a hell of a job in 2019 filling in for Kyrie with the Celtics. Started all 19 games for Boston that year. They got to Game 7 of the East Finals. I think we're maybe like I think Rozier could be good on a good team. I yeah, it's been a, yeah. it's been a rough year for him. Yeah, but he's he's been better in Charlotte, just generally speaking, than he gets yeah. credit for. Um, so, so I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. So I think they have a really solid team. I think they have a really solid team. I think a Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, DFS, Durant, Claxton lineup is a fantastic lineup. Like Dorian Finney-Smith is a huge upgrade over Ben Simmons for that. He's a very, very solid defender. You can throw him on any wing in the league. He'll credibly guard them. And he's at least willing to shoot the ball, not to mention can also make threes. That That's a huge upgrade for them to have. I don't think Ben Simmons should start anymore. I think he clearly should come off the bench uh, behind Royce and Finney Smith. Like that's Those are like two really rangy, good wing defenders to have in a playoff series. Um, you think about how they'd match up with Boston now to have O'Neal and Finney Smith to put on Tatum and Brown. That's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't dispute that. I, I think that now the focus is that you've become more of a a team that now is going to try to win more games off your defense. Quite frankly, I yeah. think Finney Smith is the best haul for them. Dinwiddie is is no slouch. Certainly, um, even when he plays well, I do worry sometimes that he. His floor is a lot lower. Um, That's, there's no he question. Can, he can, you know, he can have a a, a bad night. He, he, you know, and I think this was kind of a Dallas thing generally because I think Luca complains a lot too. But I think he has a tendency to kind of complain, and I think it can snowball on him a little bit where he's expecting calls um, and doesn't feel like he gets enough of them sometimes. Uh, but he, I mean, he's been solid really, mm-hmm. and I, I think. You know, even last year when Luke was out, had some games along with Brunson where it was like, yeah. okay, this guy's capable of holding down a number two role. Certainly when he first got to Dallas last year, he was hitting game winners. He Dude, hit a he game winner against Brooklyn, nuts. if I remember yeah, correctly. He did. Um, so he's capable. Um, I just think that the floor is lower. And that's that's why you like to have legit bona fide stars because, you know, the floor is normally a lot higher. Yeah. The ceiling is also a lot higher just because the respect level that you get from defenders of yeah. how far out they're going to come to contest your shot, what have you. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's fully possible that Brooklyn transforms a little bit and just decides, okay, like, we've got Katie. This is the guy we're going to roll all our faith into. And in the meantime, Katie included, we're just going to defend the crap out of you. And, oh, by the way, we can roll Ben Simmons off the bench. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. That's why I think, again, the, the, the best logic here is to just go for it this year. It's very clear, again, that Brooklyn did probably want a little bit more, which is completely fair to want and expect when you're trading someone mm-hmm. like Kyrie Irving. 
if you take in obviously if, if we're the fifth we don't all be drunk but hmm. um if you take Kyrie's shenanigans i don't want to reduce some of what he said and done this year to shenanigans but like if you take you know kind of the off-court stuff and you know just the constant frustrations with him out of it statistically age-wise and everything else um you would have gotten a lot more for Kyrie because he's he's a guy that is pretty much as efficient as they come um you know a, a 25 26 27 point per game guy who is basically a 50 40 90 candidate every year um you as a second guy you always take that and and i think all the teams that were interested in trying to pick him up were trying to get him as either a second or a third guy so you would have expected more but you knew what it was when you're trying the reason you're trying to trade him is because it's just not tenable anymore so you we weren't going to get full value for him he's also not under contract beyond this year so um you know, the, Brooklyn did well here. I think yeah. they could have done a little bit better under normal circumstances, but it's enough to realistically look us in the eye and say, we're still going for this thing, particularly once Katie gets back. Yeah, I think they could be really, I saw people saying maybe second round ceiling. I'm not putting anything past the way Durant was playing this year. And I think that they have a really good team to put around him. You mentioned Ben Simmons. I They have to find a way to convince the Spurs to take a chance on him, I think, and see if you could get like a Josh Richardson in return. I mean, you give Simmons has two years on his deal left after this one. I'm literally trying to pull up the trade machine as we speak right now. <laughs> but if you did Ben Simmons, the Dallas first uh, for Josh Richardson, maybe you need a, a small contract in there just to account for the Deadman thing. But the Spurs are so far under the cap that they can, acquire someone like Simmons this year and not uh I think still stay under the cap I, I think they try to do, if you try to do something like that I don't know I just want to see one team with one superstar that just has enough of the right pieces around them that we're not so like and I understand what you're saying I'm not saying this is your fault historically it's not worked but to me as a basketball fan it would be nice to see the idea that you could build a team that just fits so nicely around one star that it, people aren't getting caught up in, Oh, they don't have another all-star, whatever you want to call it. Like, I just think the nets have a chance to build a team that's so good around KD with shooting, with defense that it could still work at least. And that's, that's wishful thinking on my part, but that's yeah. what I want to see. The Dirk the with team. Dallas model. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. yeah I hear you. That, that's it would what be I cool to see, see particularly in this generation of the league yeah. where, Everybody's got two, three guys. So I'd I'd love to see it. Do I think it's likely this season? No. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Like injuries happen, KD happens. Yeah. Um. You know, Dinwiddie has a, a hot streak. The defense just clamps down. Jacques Vaughn yeah. levels things out the way he always has. It's possible, and I think that that's really all you can ask for when you're kind of being forced to trade Kyrie. Is yeah. kind of the way I would put it in my mind. I mean, they really do have a chance to be a fantastic defense with Dorian Finney-Smith in there. I mean, Dinwiddie's also an upgrade over Kyrie. Um, Claxton's been outstanding all year. When Durant is healthy, I'm really interested to see that defense. But yeah, I think overall, I think the Nets, under the circumstances, did a really good job getting a pick, getting two very useful rotation guys, guys that can be part of a good playoff team. We've seen them both perform in the playoffs and stay on the floor, do a good job. 
it will be very interesting to watch. I hope Durant's able to return soon. I know he wants to play in the All-Star game, so hopefully he gets a game or two in here before then. But yeah, I think overall I thought they did pretty well, and I'm with you. If if the thing does come where you really need to trade Durant, you you do not do it until the the summer where I think you get a massive all. Yeah. I think this was the point I was trying to make earlier, and I think I never ended up finishing it. But in that situation, I think Joe Sy is going to take the best deal available no matter what. You can't play hardball in that situation. I think that they will probably be more amenable. I don't think they're going to draw a line in the sand with KD like they allegedly did with Kyrie with going to the Lakers. I think they'll go wherever. The Lakers, I don't think they were ever getting this trade done unless they got a third team involved like Chicago or Charlotte or someone. It looks like Chicago is not blowing things up now, so Zach Levine would stay put. But that was a guy maybe I thought could head to Brooklyn. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers aspect of this. I know again, like people are probably sick of the Lakers, but I thought they were the only team that made sense for Kyrie. Cause a, they're the only ones that should be desperate enough. LeBron is 38. Davis is healthy. You're not playing for the future in any semblance of, of the word. And LeBron is the only guy who I think, I know people are like, but he loved KD and he already left LeBron once, but there is just a different thing that LeBron commands that if it was going to work with anyone, that's the guy I would bet it on. And instead they don't get him. I wrote, I know people are like, we only think the Lakers can be a contender because they're the Lakers and blah, blah, blah. But I just look around the West and I'm like, who is LeBron going to be scared of in a playoff series? Who are LeBron and AD as a duo going to be scared of in a playoff series if they can upgrade the roster even a little bit? And I think they need to be really aggressive in trying to get off Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right mentality. It's the right answer. And I can't help but think, even as Russ has played better in a six-man role than he was as a starter, and then he was, you know, projected to play before the season. I feel like we've gotten to a point where it's been beating a dead horse to criticize his play, to criticize when he has bad games. And because of it, we've started kind of grading him on a curve. Um, and I think that's the reality of it is that you can get guys that would come in and help this team. Uh, Kyrie obviously would have been an upgrade from that point. Russ wasn't always giving you all that much defensively. There was nights where he did. Um and and certainly he just wasn't a, enough of a shooting threat. Um, Kyrie would have upgraded that, obviously, just because he's such a, a shooting threat. He's such a scoring threat. He's such a playmaking threat. Um, so that was obvious, you know, I, not to, you know, pop a hole in his balloon on the night where he might break the record. LeBron's why me, uh, maybe it's me tweet was just epic, I thought. Bro, that was me in high school trying to get attention from the girl I liked. <laughs> like I'm on Facebook making Maybe Coldplay make making Coldplay lyrics my Facebook status. That was that vibe. I mean, I thought I, I thought it was legitimately like a spoof tweet. I like had to check to see it was actually LeBron's account. Um, <laughs> it was it was a Twitter blue. You were like, this has got to be a Twitter, Twitter blue. blue. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, there are, there are things outside of that I think that can help them. You you, you mentioned uh, off air that you were somewhere reporting this week. Uh, I, Utah to me makes just enough sense for the Lakers, 
it depends on where Utah's at. If uh, if they decide, look, this was cute for a while. Now they're basically at the very bottom of the play-in conversation, which changes day by day in the West. Mm-hmm. Even now, you know, I think the big conversation to have is like Steph is out for a couple of weeks. I feel like it's flown under the radar yeah. because of the Kyrie stuff. It's actually a huge deal. So, you know, maybe that speaks to exactly what you're saying about like who is LeBron really afraid of, who's AD really afraid of looking at this Western Conference slate. But the Jazz might be looking at it and saying, like, okay, we had a really hot start to the season. Uh, certain guys have cooled off. You know, the things that made us special to start the season now are fading into the background a little bit. Um, maybe this isn't worth really going for to finish as like a lower seeded like playing team or or even a six seed where you mm-hmm. avoid the plan. It might not ultimately be worth it unless you feel like this is the group you want to go with. Um, if they decide that it's really not and that they're willing to trade some of their talent to, you know, if, if we're making the point that we think Russell Westbrook isn't really conducive to winning, on some level, we're saying that he might be helpful for losing. Uh, if that's the case and you swap out a Mike Conley, uh, a Jared Vander- Vanderbilt, a Malik Beasley, all of a sudden it, the Jazz slide a little bit. You would imagine that the you know the Lakers get some real talent, a talent fusion, and that they move up. Does it make them, you know, real true contenders? I'm not completely sure. But it pushes them closer toward that, certainly, if it doesn't make them contenders. Um, and if you're just rolling the dice on the idea, like, we have to do something for the sake of LeBron's age and everything else. And and also just to try to keep him happy, uh, to try to make a, a run at this this year as opposed to drawing this out, dragging this out more, uh, then it's worth it on some level. And it might be the most feasible thing that's really left. Um, so we'll see. But to me, that one makes a little bit of sense. Uh, like you said, Kyrie made all the sense in the world for them, but I'm not sure that that was ever the most appealing package for Brooklyn. Like, what, what does Brooklyn get out of that? They still have Kevin Durant. They're going to want to contend now. So anything that has to do with Westbrook was going to be a non-starter. And like you said, they're going to need a third team there. So um, this might be a one-to-one for the Jazz. Maybe not one player to one player, but um, one team to one team that they might be able to get this done. They're going to have to throw in those picks. Those picks might work on a little bit more of a timeline of what the Jazz are talking about working with anyway. Uh, so it might be a team that it actually works with. And the thing about the Jazz is they can keep a lot of guys and still make this trade. Like even if they they move Mike Conley, who's been there for he's the elder statesman now, they move a Malik Beasley. I think they have their core. Markinen's been fantastic. He's a young player. Walker Kessler has been a revelation. They could still keep Colin Sexton. They could still keep Jordan Clarkson. They don't have to move Kelly Olynyk, for example. Like they have options. To me, what's interesting is just how many players can the Lakers get? How can he? How many can they extract from Russell's contract? Um, that the Jazz are still getting enough picks that the juice is kind of worth the squeeze for them. Hmm. Um, you know, let's say they traded which. This is a fake trade that I'm I'm literally got pulling up on my phone right now, but you could do Westbrook and Lonnie Walker together and get Conley, Beasley, and Olinick back. Now, do the Jazz want to do that? Is two picks enough for them to do that? That's going to be the question. But then you got a really solid backup big in Olinick. He gives you a different look than Thomas Bryant, even though Thomas Bryant is shooting some threes. Just a much he, different look, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then you get Beasley and Conley. Conley would be Conley's been really solid this season. He has. I, I he'd be a massive upgrade over Westbrook, certainly at point guard. You could play him and Schroeder together. You can bring Schroeder off the bench, but and Beasley, although Beasley has shortcomings, his shooting next to LeBron becomes such a, a such a bigger strength. Not to mention Conley is a much better shooter than any of their current guards. I just think that they can't sit on their hands. Like they have to go for it. I, I know that I go on and on about this, but the ash, the asset fetish, the asset fetishists, the people, the Michael Penas of the world who just judge everything in draft picks and future yeah. draft picks and 13 year olds who we don't even know exist yet. <laughs> e- even though the only time the Boston Celtics have won a championship in the last 35 years is when they traded draft picks for stars. <laughs> um, Jesus, you know, that was personal. We, we just get <laughs> we just get these these media types who are so just I don't know the draft pick lobby is so strong like big draft just has this stranglehold on NBA media. Big but, draft? Did you yeah, really just say big? Big draft. <laughs> big draft. Um, give me give me players who are going to help me win a championship today, especially when I have LeBron and AD on my team. And again, I don't know that a, a matchup of the Jazz and the Lakers gets you there, but it gets you a hell of a lot closer than just these Lakers do. The I, Lakers have been treading water all season from like the 13 spot, and it's just like, yeah, listen, you know, I, I understand I, people are frustrated with LeBron kind of whining and kind of, you know, the maybe it's me, the whole, uh, what, what was the quote that he gave to, uh, to was it Sam Amick or someone else? It was very clear, like, you know what the F needs to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's very clear what he's intimating. It's very clear what he wants. Um, and it's not even about, like, do you give in to what LeBron wants? It's like, well, if you have LeBron on your roster, this is kind of what you've said you're signing up for, is to go for it right now. You have a pretty fragile other superstar on your team. You need to go for it right now. This roster is not good enough. It was clear before the season the roster wasn't good enough. And so how many more games do you have? Like, if, I'll put it this way. If the Lakers have happened, what the Warriors just had happened, their season's over. If yes. LeBron goes down for another two weeks, their season's over, no matter what. And the reality is that could still happen um, at any point in the season. You need to get guys that help you talent-wise. And uh, it's been abundantly clear the whole season. Uh, this trade would do that. Um, your question is a fair one of whether that's even enough to make the jazz bite um, because we know Danny Ames will hold out if he feels like it's not. But uh, to me, I feel like they might be in a precarious enough spot now in their own playoff run of just saying like, you know what? It's fine for us to kind of let go of the rope here just to pick up these assets. Yeah. Um, what could be very good assets from the Lakers long-term. So I, I could understand if they yeah. did that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, but we'll see. As it stands right now, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. The Lakers are three games out of the seventh seed Warriors who are missing Steph. And they play the Thunder tonight. The Thunder are a half game ahead of them. So it's a big game for both teams. But I just look at it, and I say this as the biggest Nuggets fan. We need to see Jokic be a def- he'll hold up defensively for three playoff rounds in a row, four playoff rounds in a row. Memphis is sliding. Sacramento is great at number three. I don't think they scare anyone. And I'm, if I would, <laughs> the Clippers have been up and down all over the place. Dallas, we're talking about their defensive issues. Phoenix, we haven't talked about Phoenix. 
I'm fascinated to see how things shake out there now that Chris Paul has probably heard, presumably heard, he was offered up for Kyrie. Minnesota, New Orleans, Utah, like, I'm not saying the Lakers are better than these teams, only that LeBron and AD healthy plus playoff caliber rotation players. It's just the West feels so wide open that I think this is the year you go for it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Before we head out today, I did want to talk about LeBron as again, we're recording this before the Thunder game, so he's I think 35 points to tie, 36 points to pass. He will pass it by the time I think we record next. Even if we do a trade deadline thing, we're going to be so focused on the trades. I don't know how, how much we'll get to talk about the scoring record, but is this an important award for you? Like, how do you feel that this, you know, 38 year record or whatever it is is about to fall? I mean, of course it is. Just on on a base level. Um, no one will be able to say they've scored more than this man. Um, and that's also without knowing how long it will stand for, because it's going to take outscoring someone that has essentially scored, what, 25, 26 a year, every year since his rookie season, that with the exception of when he played with star teammates, could have gone out and scored 30 anytime he wanted to, basically, um, who wasn't injured significantly, at all until he really hit the age of 35 mm-hmm. 36 uh to where he was missing weeks at a time um who is still averaging more points now than he did in his prime um <laughs> yeah. I, I like good luck outscoring that so it's a huge deal from that standpoint i think you know again my, my newsletter specifically was at least seeding the idea that like we've never had a superstar that could do as much as this guy does at this mm-hmm. high level. He's the only guy that is in the top five in assistant points. Um, and you know, the, the defense has been off the charts too. Uh, I think, you know, there was a, a period of time towards those late Cavs runs um, back through 2018, where it was like, Okay, Bron's not playing any defense. Neither are the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bit disheartening to watch since he's become a Laker. 
Um, certainly the year they won the championship, but other years too, he's been playing more of the four and the five the last two seasons. His rim protection numbers are really good. <laughs> yeah. Like his rim protection, he's holding opponents eight, nine points beneath their league, you know, league, their averages at the rim, which is kind of more essentially what you'd see out of like Anthony Davis than LeBron, if you had to really think about it. Um, he's still been good on that end of the floor. That's not even to mention, you know, when he was locking down Derrick Rose along the perimeter in Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the guy has is just his versatility, his IQ, uh, the fact that he's kept himself as healthy as he has. It's just a huge testament to who he is. And I think when you're talking about, um, you know, and I, I thought Chris Mannix obviously had a great piece on his evolution. I thought Zach Lowe had a really great piece, too, in which he got LeBron. It's like hard to believe he got him for his piece. But he was sitting there talking to LeBron about what he was most proud of. And he was like, look, I've I've been so many people have said that, like, I'm not a pure scorer. Like, mm-hmm. you really can't make that claim anymore when the guy owns the scoring record, um, regardless of how he got there. But I mean, he got there and he's probably going to hold it for some time now. So um when this many records fall and this many um, milestones fall, it, it it has to mean something. But certainly when you're talking about someone that is at worst, the second, third best player of all time, I, I think now it's, it's even more legitimate to say that he's just the best player of all time. And if, if longevity is the reason that someone reaches that conclusion, fine, but no one's done it. Even Kareem who played for 20 years, was not playing at this level still, you know, he wasn't having career highs and scoring average at 37, 38 years old. It's just insane what LeBron is doing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely think it means something. And if he's able to do this for like another two, three years, he might realistically put the the number that he's going to set out of reach for, for people, for yeah. anybody else for a long, long time, which would be something. Yeah, I know that in the lead up to this, some people have been like, how come this hasn't been, obviously it's become a big deal because it's LeBron and we hear it on every podcast, but people are like, how come this record was never a big deal before? Is it just LeBron? I think people just never expected this record to be broken. I think it was one of those ones. We went through multiple generations of players where no one even came close. And I think the consensus best player ever, at least by the time he retired, Michael Jordan, like he didn't come close. We just had so many greats come through after Kareem that I think people just assumed no one's ever going to be able to do this, even with the three pointer, et cetera. And who knows the way the game is changing, the way offense continues to explode and the way I'm going to sound so old here, these kids love shoot these threes, <sighs> you know, maybe someone. All right. Is, hey, Hubie is <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time for someone to break the scoring record. Chris, plenty of time here. Um, uh, you know, maybe someone's able to make the math work in their favor, but it, I think it was just no one talked about it because we just assumed like if so many great players never came close, no one's ever going to. It's pretty cool. You mentioned like all those things about him. No one thought he was a scorer for so long. All I know is like when I was a, nothing but a young lad in South Florida and the Heat needed a basket, I wanted the ball in LeBron James's hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted. I wanted LeBron James attacking the rim in the fourth quarter of game six of the 2013 NBA finals. Cause I trusted him to score. Right. Or to really do the right thing. Also, you mentioned 
how good he was defensively, especially in his prime. I remember Zach Lowe writing a story for Grant- Grantland about teams using like uh, the teams use like you know software that'll show, and, and in this software it would it would show like it would have dots on a half court, mm-hmm. and the dots rotate based on what how the team wants. Uh, the, the ghost, to the ghost defense. That was yes, one of my favorite defense. stories of his. Yes. I remember that stuff. Yeah. So you know, right. So when teams are coming up with strategy or you know working on defense, or whatever, it's like they have these ghost defenders on a fake half court, and the ghost defenders are rotating based on whatever algorithm. And LeBron James was beating the ghost defenders. They were tracking games where LeBron James was rotating faster than what a computer had idealized is the best rotation. That's the level this guy was on. Um, just was that much of a level athletically above every other NBA player in his prime. It's yeah. I'm very fascinated to see what it's like when he breaks it. I'm hoping he breaks it tonight and does not save it for deadline night. Cause it's going to be a crazy day enough already, but it, it really is just a, it's a remarkable achievement, and I, I wish it was just happening in a season that mattered more for him, frankly. Yeah, I mean, but, but there's no one to blame for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Some <laughs> people would say somebody <laughs> would say that LeBron was partially to blame. I think there's that. a lot of people to blame, and I think LeBron is one no, of them. No, 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 no. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't I, I wasn't done with the Sims when I said there's yeah. no one to, I was gonna say there's no one to blame for that other than the Lakers, but mm. you I mean again, there are people that would contest that LeBron can be blamed partially <laughs> yeah. for that, and I think Maybe that's fair. It doesn't mean that you have to sit with that decision forever. I think it was pretty evident before that they should have made something happen with Westbrook's contract. But, um, you know, yeah, there's still, hey, there's still time for them to make a deal to which this could all matter a little bit more very soon for him. But, uh, I mean, I think, honestly, though, that's what I find most fascinating about this pursuit. And uh, maybe it's me tweet that he sent is that, (laughs) he still very much wants to win. Uh, yeah. Like this record certainly means something to him. If you didn't think that before all these sit down interviews that he's done all of a sudden, whether it's with Zach Lowe, um, it looked like he might've given Joe Varden some material over the, the athletic. He sat down with Mike Wilbon. Obviously there will be more stuff to come out in, in the days to come. They're going to stop the game. I would imagine when, when this happens, certainly if it's a Lakers home game, um, which the next two I think are. So it'll happen at home for him. Uh, He's very proud of this, but it's very clear that, you know, and it's cliche to say like, that doesn't matter to him as much as winning does in this case where it's like, you know, the window is closing for him, even though he's playing at this level, he won't do it forever. Um, He wants to win. And when you have, uh, was Kyrie top 75, uh, a few last year, did he make? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, so he wasn't top seventy-five, but I mean, he's a guy that has been a perennial all-star. Who you know, even like him, dislike him for all this stuff earlier this season, and just generally speaking, um, he's one of the four or five, certainly five or six best point guards in the league, maybe higher than that. Um, for a team that just has a hole there, a player that isn't the most productive all the time, most efficient all the time. Very clearly, that would help them. So, like, I don't blame him for being upset. It it shows that the guy cares about more than just... And, and, and to his credit also, he didn't go for the scoring crown, what was it, a year or two ago against Embiid or whoever it was. 
because he's like, no, I'm I'm not going to we're not in a playoff race at this point. I'm not just going to go out there gunning for points when I've got a bum ankle like I he cares, but I don't think he cares so much to where it blocks out other stuff for him. I think he genuinely wants to win. Um, I think he genuinely wants to stay in L.A. too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, L.A. could go a long way in showing that they want him to stick around and want him to have more milestones with them by going out and making a deal here that they should have made before the season even started. It's uh, it's just a, it's going to be weird when he retires, Chris. It's going to be really weird when he retires. Uh, I'm glad that he's playing at this level because I also, even the thought of LeBron being like a 15 point per game role player is weird. I don't think he's one of those guys that can do a Vince Carter or Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade and kind of sunset in a different role. I think he, as long as he plays, he's going to be this guy. And yeah, it's funny. You know, I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it can be annoying to have to go to these games back to back to back. And I'm very excited to be in the building when he breaks the scoring record. I enjoy that, man. I mean, it's 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 a a very cool thing. Yeah enjoy yeah. that um like it's 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 a comet you know as far yeah. as how often you see yeah. it you know and for to be sure. there for it to be there for it in LA specifically at home yeah um i don't know that you know i i'm not totally sure we'll see that again in our lifetime and it's yeah. it's very like you don't want to not that you are you you caught yourself so you yeah. you know you're not taking it for granted but um i i do think that to some extent LeBron has been so healthy for so long that I think that a lot of fans have kind of taken it for granted. And I think, you know, just the dislike that some people have for the guy. Um, a lot of people, and, and this is taking it a little maybe too far, so I don't mean for it to go too much in that realm. People did that with Kobe a little bit too, you know, as far as just like Kobe always beat your team. So, you know, people were kind of uh, really enjoying when he struggled toward the back end of his career after the Achilles injury. Um, you don't always have those guys. One, you know, now Kobe's not there, but two, just like someone that wants to compete, and you can still see there's a fire there that he really gets disappointed over a call, maybe too disappointed over a call. He really gets disappointed and dejected when there's a trade out there that they don't make. Uh, he's still playing at a 38 and seven level at, at, as a 38 year old, like. Like that alone, I understand the league is sped up. I understand that the take foul is no longer there, so the pace is higher. Mm-hmm. It's still wild to see someone yeah. doing that on good efficiency um, when this is essentially like the most he's averaged ever in his career. Uh, so he's really defied a lot of things. So I, I hope people can appreciate it for what it is. I hope we get a few more years of this, which might be asking too much. Like we've already slowly yeah. kind of seen him slip from being the most impactful player in the league. Um, and I, I mentioned that in my column today that he might not even be one of the five most impactful players in the league right now, as far as a night to night basis. Certainly, you've got Giannis, certainly Jokic, uh, Embiid, I think you'd put there. And then you've got a couple other guys, Luca, that you could make an argument for. Um, so, so, you know, he's already slipped out of that. And it, based on that, like it, it's not beyond the realm that he could slip even further and, and, you know, just slip to where he's not a great player anymore. And so, you know, definitely enjoy it while we can. We might only have another um where he's just kind of holding on to play with the sun 
which is a different sort of thing at that point. If that's the only reason that he's really out there, if it's not about winning anymore, but he's already kind of said at some point, I just want to play with my son. If he's not as relevant or good at that point anymore, it really just enjoy while he's still great. Cause it's, he's 38 years old. He's not supposed to be. Um, so, you know, even if this is all there is and the Lakers are just bad for the rest of the season and don't make the playoffs, enjoy this. Cause this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to be watching very excited tonight just to see the record come yeah. down. It'll be cool. Absolutely. On that note, Chris, that will do it for today's episode of Open Floor. Oh, man, I keep bu- bumming out. We're doing one episode a week. We're getting so many good emails. Shout out to Thaddeus, who sent one the other day. We're going to do mail mailbag soon, I promise. Um, but that'll do it for today's episode. Keep those emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. And until the trade deadline, everyone continue to enjoy the NBA season. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.